just, just to kind of get us up to speed on where we've been. This is a class on demonology, what Christians think about demons and Satan and all that kind of stuff. There's actually a fair amount that I read that, that I'm not going to end up covering. Um, this book is a collection of essays spanning many centuries that looks at uh, various thoughts by believers and unbelievers alike on the topic. But the most famous essay in this was written by King James. Yeah, that King James, the King James Bible King James. And uh, he wrote a, an essay, or I don't know, someone helped him write it maybe, but uh, called Demonology. And it uh, gave rise to a lot of witch burnings. Uh, it was a very impactful, that's not a word, it was, a, it was an essay full of impact um, and uh, really kind of aroused people's awareness of the demonic realm. Now, interestingly, another one of the essays in this particular book talks about how sort of the interest in the subject sort of waned. And uh, basically, th this was more of kind of a, kind of more of what we might call kind of a liberal Christian uh, argument in the 1800s. And basically, his argument was, hey, quit focusing on it so much and you'll quit seeing demons everywhere. Right, so there actually is some wisdom in that. If you go, if you, if, if, this is why I say Christians need to be aware. They need to have a balanced approach in the in the sorts of things they pay attention to, the things of things that they study, and there can be a um, salacious that we can be attracted to salacious things even in the name of Christianity, and we ought not to do that. We ought not to just focus only on salacious topics like abortion or demons or something like that. Those are elements, those are part of our worldview, they're part of what we should be concerned about. But if, you, if you're only focused on something like demonology, you're going to see demons sort of everywhere. You're actually giving them more credit than they deserve, right? And so uh, our approach, I think, should be that one that's balanced. And sure enough, as was predicted, you know, uh, if, you, if you focus on it less, you know, sort of seeing them everywhere sort of declines. Now, the, the, the alternative to that point of view could be something like, well, um, you, you, you change your tactics and the devil changes his. Um, and so there, there is definitely a chess match going on in this thing that we call spiritual warfare. Um, the old joke is, you know, the, the greatest trick the devil ever pulled is convincing us that he doesn't exist, right? So I think there's some wisdom in that too. So again, we want to have kind of this balance of understanding the, the nature of evil, the reality of the devil, the reality of, uh, you know, demonic activity and such. But I just want to read a few quotes from this book, and then uh, I, I want to kind of wrap all this up with some questions about, uh, we had a question last time of whether Satanism uh, really exists, you know, really exists, how prevalent it is, uh, if it's really a sort of concern for us. Uh, I want to try to address some of those questions uh, before we go. So, from the King James book, it's a kind of a, one of these uh, essays where it's kind of a false dialogue. I think Plato wrote a lot of those, right? It's like a conversation between two people. And so one of the questions is, do witches exist? And, you know, I think that's kind of like asking, do pastors exist? Um, right? I mean, a witch is just a, a person who, uh, you know, is essentially a medium to the demonic realm. Uh, I'll tell a story in the most abstract way I can. Someone that I know had a tragic loss in their family recently of a young person. And I recently learned that this person uh, was now consulting mediums to contact that person. And this is very sad to me because um, it doesn't represent hope in afterlife, hope in resurrection, hope in reconciliation, all, all these sorts of hopes that we have. 
Um, and they said, well, it must be true because the medium came to us. And I said, you do understand that mediums are, are essentially uh, um, researchers. You know, they, they read obituaries. They look at fa social media posts. Of course they came to you. They found out somebody died, that you'd be mourning that death, and they took the, the bet that if they knocked on your front door that you might be open to it. Um, so anyway, so is that person a witch? Yeah, I'd say that person's a witch. You know, you don't have to be a Wiccan or whatever to be a witch, although uh, technically people who practice Wicca or whatever are witches. But uh, King James' answer is this. First, you may consider that Saul, remember the story of Saul consulting the witch in the forest moon of Star Wars, Endor? Y'all remember that? Uh, that Saul, being troubled in spirit and having fasted long before, as the text testifies, and being come to a woman that was wont to have such knowledge and that to inquire at such important news, he having so guilty a conscience for his heinous offenses, and especially for that same unlawful curiosity and horrible defection. And I mean, anyway, he goes through the whole story of the witch bringing up Samuel. Now, there's not a lot of stories, remember, in the Bible about this whole topic of demonic activity and witchcraft and so on and so forth. But in this one text, uh, you, do, uh, you do come to some conclusions. And one is that witchcraft is possible, that witch witches do exist. Remember, the issue in that story was that Saul banned all witches per God's law. But then when he really needed to talk to Samuel, he went and found one on the black market. Right? So, uh, so Saul should not have been doing that. Naughty, naughty. Um, but just, to, just a quick answer to the question of do witches exist? Do mediums exist? Uh, the wrong answer is the Christian would just be to blow all of that off and say no, because they do. Okay, again, it's, it's, it's a little bit like saying do pastors exist. I'm not saying witches and pastors are the same, but a witch, think of a witch as something like an office holder. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not that extraordinary. You don't have to be gifted to be a witch. You just have to be, uh, you know, I don't know, evil, you know. Uh, you know, you just basically have to say, uh, sure, I'll give my life over to the demonic realm. Sure, no, you know, no problem. I'll, I'll open. I mean, any of you could be witches, or uh, warlocks, or whatever the male version is. I mean, congratulations, y'all didn't, y'all may have not known that when you walked in today, did you? That you have the power within to be a medium too. It's not a gift; it's a fraud. Okay, and it's an opening, opening yourself up to. It's either fraudulent in the case that's the case with 90%. But I do think that 10% of practicing psychics and mediums today are people who have not only, you know, I mean, they have explicitly gone over into the world of witchcraft and the demonic. Okay, I think some people practice it. They're actually in the demonic realm, but they don't actually believe it. They're just conning people out of money. I don't know what the percentage is on that, but yeah. Yeah. Was uh, searching out fake mediums. Yeah. And when Houdini died on uh, Halloween night, I think 1929, they've been holding a seance every year since then because his wife started the seances to try to contact him because he always believed that, the that people could be, you know, contacted the effort. And they, they, every, every year. He believed that? I thought. Oh, okay. No. Oh, okay. I knew he was. I knew he would try to disprove fake mediums. Yeah, but, but his wife was not a witch. I yeah. Mean, did she? I've read all about it. She wasn't believing demonic things. But every year there's a Houdini club that tries to reach him, and they've never succeeded. Yeah. <laughs> they've never succeeded. Yeah. Well, so 
I would argue his wife was a witch, right? She was a witch unawares, right? Because to, to, to explicitly seek contact with the dead is necromancy, communication with the dead. That is a death penalty offense in the Old Testament, okay? So, so that you're aware of how serious God takes this, okay? That is a death penalty offense. Um, and so that's why when Saul goes to do this under, under the cover of darkness, this is a really big deal. I mean, he knew exactly what he was doing. I mean, this was a, hey, let's go out, wake up the witch at one in the morning. He's got his entourage out them. He's in, he's in hiding. He's disguised, you know, the whole bit. Uh, yeah? What about people who just, like, go visit the grave of a loved one and just kind of talk to them or visit them? Is that is that that? Yeah. So I think there, there is some fine line, right? Um, I don't, so the short answer is I don't have an issue with that. Um, and I don't know exactly where the line is. I'd ha- I've had to, have to see it. You know, I definitely think something like a seance, a formal conjuring, that's definitely wrong. But to um, sort of continue a conversation that you would have had with a person as if they're alive, I, I, I find difficulty to find fault with that. I don't think that's conjuring a person. But, um, but I think conjuring is, is where it all goes very wrong, you know. Um, astrology. Uh, there's a question about astrology, uh, which has been around for a very long time. Um, he says this, one word, I mean, he, he goes, I'm, I'm skipping ahead a little bit, but he says, one word only will I answer to them and that in the scriptures, which must be an infallible true ground to all true Christians, agreed, that in the prophet Jeremiah, is, that in the prophet Jeremiah it is plainly forbidden to believe or hearken unto them that prophecies and predicts by the course of the planets and stars. So that's what King James thought about astrology. Jeremiah says, no, don't do it, and I would agree. Uh, miracles is another topic. Um, Now, if you recall, I said when I started this class, I was interested in knowing whether devils or demons could could bring about some kind of miraculous good, okay, uh, like the curing of cancer, for the purpose of drawing someone into occult belief. And I've talked to different people. I go back and forth. I still go back and forth. I'm, I'm like 51% yes, 49% no. But I'm much more in the affirmative if we understand demonic miracles as counterfeit miracles or as uh, illusions of good. Now, the, the issue is this. Um, God is the author of all that is good. Okay, so can a demonic being do a good thing? And that's, that's the part of me that says no. But then... The devil is always playing the long game, right? The, 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 the devil's always hoping if you just start to chip away a little bit of, of your faith in Christ, and if the devil can promise you a cure to a disease, longer life, you know, it's like, uh, it's like that movie Pet Cemetery, you know, right? If, if I just bring Fluffy back, you know, but uh, anyway. Um, so actually, the only answer I found in these two books that I read for this, I'm kind of a slow reader, apologies, was in this passage. So it's a little bit long, but let me read it. But to return to the purpose as these forms, wherein Satan obliges himself to the greatest of the magicians, are wonderfully curious. So are the effects correspondent unto the same. For he will oblige himself to teach them arts and sciences, which he may easily do, being so learned a knave as he is. 
to carry them news from any part of the world which the agility of a spirit may easily perform, to reveal to them the secrets of any persons, so being they once spoken for the thought none knows but God, except so far as you may guess by their countenance, uh, as one is doubtlessly learned enough in physiognomy, Yea, he will make his scholars to creep in credit with princes by foretelling them many great things, part true, part false. For if all were false, he would lose credit, but always doubtsome, uh, as his oracles were. So he's saying magicians get into the courts of people. They say some true things, enough to get the belief, etc. But this is the key, the key text. Uh, that is the difference between, and he's talking about Pharaoh's, remember Pharaoh and, and Moses' miracles, remember? Uh, Moses would do a sign, and the magicians in Pharaoh's court would do the same. And so the question is, aha, people, you know, demons are capable of, of the miraculous as well. But that's, this is the difference between God's miracles and the devil's. God is a creator. What he makes appear in miracle, it is so in effect. As Moses' rods being cast down was no doubt turned into a natural serpent, whereas the devil, as God's ape, counterfeiting that by common proof, that simple illusionists will make an hundred things seem an hundred things. Sorry, there's an an before the h. An hundred things uh, seem both to our eyes and ears other ways than they are. So, um, his argument is that the devil's miracles are like magic. They are counterfeit. They are like what they're like what David Copperfield does. Okay, so there's actually nothing there. But the example that I gave at the very start of this class is an example of a woman who, whose cancer miraculously disappeared after she consulted a healing Christian, quote-unquote, he's actually a demon, a healing Christian Catholic healer. And so my question kind of still, I guess, remains, um, what, what happened there? Did the cancer actually go away, or did it just look like it went away? When they went back to the doctor and they took the scan, what what happened? Because the cancer either was gone or it seemed to be gone. Um, now, it could be the case that God cured the woman of cancer through a wicked medium. And I mean medium in the most generic sense. In that, you know. um, but then there's a question of, us: well, why doesn't God perform all miracles? Several years ago, we looked at B.B. Uh, B. Warfield's book, Counterfeit Miracles. Anyone, anyone know who B.B. Warfield is? Uh, he was a Princeton theologian great Calvinist, what was his name, B Benjamin Breckenridge Warfield. No, that's C.B. Cooper. Yeah, yeah, um, very close though. And we'll study that next week. Well, okay, D.B. Cooper or whatever, yeah. They know who it is now. Oh. Got a bunch of DV Cooper nut. I've got, got a bunch of Costa K State, Costa Coast AM fans in here a bit. Okay, who who went through a period of their life where they listened to a lot of Art Bell? If you know, if you know, you know. Okay, Art Bell's a genius. Okay, genius, genius radio, best radio guy of all time. Okay, all right. Um, what we're talking about? DV Cooper, BB Warfield. We talked about his book, Counterfeit Miracles. This was more on the topic of cessationism and whether the gifts of the spirits, whether certain miracles continue to this day. 
And his argument was, this was the most convincing argument I knew. Do y'all know where Lourdes France is? Lourdes France. You know what happens at Lourdes France? Apparition of Mary. Is that Bernadette? Oh, I don't know. No, it was a, it's an apparition of Mary's there, like Guadalupe. Okay, and so people go to Lourdes because they think they can get cured. And so they basically looked at the, the basically someone did a, a lot of research on the number of people that went to Lourdes, claimed a miraculous healing, versus a phenomenon that really does happen, which is unbelievers who are sick with the disease, and they are also miraculously healed. Did you know that people actually do just spontaneously heal of things? It really does happen, okay? Now, it, I wouldn't count on it per se, but it does happen, okay? Apart from medicine, doctors don't know how to explain it. There is a percentage of cases, I don't know if it's 0.5%, 5%, I don't know what the number is, but there is a percentage of cases where not asking for miracles or maybe just casually praying or something, but not taking a trip to Lourdes, France, where you're cured of a disease. And the number of people who had that spontaneous healing was higher than the percentage of people who went to Lourdes went to where this apparition of Mary was and asked for healing. So what does that tell you? That Lord's, that whole thing is a fraud. That's what it tells you, right? It tells you that you ought not to go to a place where some apparition was said to be to say to God, this is a magical place, heal me of my disease, okay? Because the, the, the data just doesn't bear it out. If, if it worked, it should work for more people than spontaneous healing among unbelievers. Does that make sense? Okay. And so, so this gets back to the question of, well, are people really healed or are, are there, is it kind of an illusion? Is it a trick that the devil plays? But the bottom line is this. We need to be content with what God has given us, the years of life that we have, the health that we have, and one day you're going to die. Okay, you can put it off as long as you want, but you're going to die. And at that point, trust in the risen Christ for your salvation. Okay? Um, yes, sir. Yeah. And very devout. And, and, and you're right that the percentage of, of Reddit is like point something percent. Of the Way less than 1%. Yeah. yeah. But the people go there just for an experience. They want to be around things like that. Whether they think they'll be healed or not, they just want to be there. And I think. I, true faith. And by the way, we should pray for healing. We should absolutely pray for healing. Now, there's nothing wrong with praying for healing, but there's a way in which you pray where you're, you know, things need to be in the proper balance. So we pray that, I mean, it says in the Lord's Prayer, your will be done. So as long as we're praying for healing in the context that we really want God's will to be done at all times, I think that's perfectly faithful, good prayer. But I think that when we it becomes something more like a demand that this healing now is more important that the ultimate will of God be done. Because remember, we believe that God accomplishes his will through imperfect and even evil acts, like someone dying of cancer. Okay, that is the radical claim that we actually do hold. Okay, we don't claim that, that God only works through the good things, right? And then all the bad things we just give the, the devil credit for, okay? Anyway, that's a whole, I'm not saying God causes evil and things like that. But what I am saying is that when we basically say to God, God, and this is the line, right? 
And they may not know, they may not verbalize it this way, but when you pray in such a way, or when you make a pilgrimage in such a way to basically say, hey, God, you know, unless you do this thing for me, I can't believe in you. And only the person can say when they've crossed that line, right? But that's the line we never want to cross, okay? Yes, sir. It's better. better. So, this kind can only be cast out by fasting and prayer. That's right. Yeah. So I think if uh, you're not expecting the miracle, like it's a trade, like I'll tell you what, I'll, right. I'll go and It's a transaction. Trade, but if you say, no, this is a sacrifice of passion, I'll go, then yes, you may receive. Yep. Two more quotes, and then I want to kind of get to some wrap-up questions that I think will be really controversial and juicy. Okay. Doubtlessly, this is on whether the devil exists, okay? Sorry, I'm eating this delicious chocolate oat cookie thing. Okay, doubtlessly, who denies the power of the devil would likewise deny the power of God, if they could, for shame. For since the devil is the very contrary, opposite to God, there can be no better way to know God than by the contrary. Now, I don't necessarily agree with that. I'm just reading his argument. As by the one's power through a creature to admire the power of the great creator, by the falsehood of the one to consider the truth of the other, by the injustice of the one to consider the justice of the other, and by the cruelty of the one to consider the mercy of the other, and so forth and all the rest of the essence of God, the qualities of the devil. But I fear indeed there may be over many Sadducees in this world that deny all kinds of spirits. Remember the Sadducees denied the resurrection of the, of the dead. That was the argument that Paul beautifully says, hey, Pharisees and Sadducees, you have me on trial for the resurrection. I believe in the resurrection. Argue amongst yourselves, okay? Because the Sadducees did not believe in resurrection. They did not believe in a spiritual dimension to a person's existence. Uh, so he's saying there, the King James is saying, I fear there are all kinds of Sadducees in the world, right, who deny all kinds of spirits for convincing, for convicting of whose error there is cause enough if there were no more that God should permit at some time spirits visibly to harm us. Now, did you say, did you, did you say Sadducees? Yeah, like in the New Testament. Uh, is that a form of the word sage? No, Sadducees. S-A-D-D-U-C-E-E-S. Okay. Remember in the in Second Temple Judaism, there are three main sects of, of, of people. Now, I'm not saying every person belonged to one of these sects, S-E-C-T-S, okay? Yeah. Um, there are only two sexes. Only two sexes. Am I clear? Only two sexes. But there are three sects and okay. There are the Sadducees, the Pharisees, and the Essenes. Sadducees, Pharisees, and Essenes. And these were very devout Jews with different emphases, looking for the coming of the Messiah, obedience to the law of God, etc., etc. Um... And so the Sadducees had a belief that, and this, the Sadducees were like the um, elitist globalists of our day, okay? Um, the Pharisees were like the uh, Tea Party of, of our day. And the Essenes were kind of the mystics of our day, okay? But long story short, um, 
that what, what he's saying is that, hey, you know, spirits exist. Um, don't deny the devil. Now, I will say, one of the more, let's just say it's an interesting argument if you're talking about the existence of God and the unbeliever says to you, aha, God cannot exist because evil is in the world. It's an old trope, really. If God is good and all-powerful and evil exists, then either God is not good or he's not powerful. I've defeated your God, okay? But actually, I think you can make the case that uh, evil is the, one of the better proofs for the existence of God. Proof, I don't like that word. I don't like the word evidence when talking about such things, but for the sake of time, allow me. Um, because basically, you can say, well, how do you know what evil is unless there is an ultimate good, right? How, how, can you, how can you say that you expect good things to happen, right? Like, how can you say that you think things ought to be beautiful and we ought to live a long time and cancer ought to be eradicated and no one ought to be able to die in a fire or have childhood leukemia? How can you say those are the way things ought to be, that no, we, should, we should not have those things if God doesn't exist, right? So they're appealing to the good, and I think that's what he's saying, whereas you have these, if you, if, if, if you, you know, sort of, he, he kind of makes it sound like God and Satan need each other, and I wouldn't say that. But I would say that um, if you appeal, if you're going to say that God doesn't exist because evil exists, you've already appealed to the existence of God because you're appealing to the way things ought to be. And so it's a, I think it can be a good argument to say, if you don't believe that God exists, you have no grounds for saying that things ought to be any way because all of existence and creation is just random, Okay. I'm just a highly evolved monkey, you're a highly evolved monkey, okay, just happened through natural selection and random mutation and blah, 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 and if I stab you in the eye with an ice pick, too damn bad. You should have, you should have taken some karate classes, okay? Should have learned to defend yourself, okay? I'm stronger, I'm more powerful, and now you have an ice pick in your eye, okay? Good luck with that, okay? But that is the view of the non-Christian. You understand that, right? Okay? The non-Christian cannot complain about an ice pick in their eye. I can. And I will. Okay. Um, okay. Last question. This is on hauntings. Ooh, hauntings. There are, uh, this is the guy asking the question, I think. Let's see. Um, there are sundry that affirm to have haunted such places where these spirits are alleged to be and could never hear nor see anything. The answer, I think well, for that is only reserved to the secret knowledge of God whom he will permit to see such things and whom not. Question, but where these spirits haunt and trouble any houses, what is the best way to banish them? Answer, by two means may only the remedy of such things be procured. The one is ardent prayer to God, both of these persons that are troubled with them, and of that church whereof they are. The other is purging of themselves by amendment of life from such sins as have procured that extraordinary plague. In other words, you say your house is haunted, pray that the house would be purged of the devil that you've invited in. Ooh, did I just say that? Yes, I did. No, <laughs> that, you, that you have invited in. But from what I'm told, Vicodin is a demon. Stay away from that. Okay. Um, but he says, the other is amendment of life from such sins that have procured this extraordinary plague. So he's putting the burden back on the person. And so if, I, if I'm ever to get a call from any of you guys, say my house is haunted, I'm going to say, well, come to confession first. 
and be brutally honest with me. All right, let's get that. Let's get the sins out and forgiven, okay? Now I'm going to go to the house, and we'll do a house blessing. Um, but I do, uh, generally speaking, I am of the school, without being an expert at all, um, that demonic forces, uh, it's kind of like a, you know, a vampire, right? A vampire can't walk into your house without being invited. What is the origin of that? Is that the origin? Did I just stumble? What is that? Yeah. I did one recently, and they said it, it worked. I've been in a haunted house. Yeah? Yes. For real? Not the state fair? No, I'm true. I'm just, yeah. Haunted by an old woman. Like, hmm. Okay. I would say it wasn't haunted by an old woman. It was haunted by a demon. But demons can take on any form they want. Okay? That's why, okay, to be clear, when you go to a medium and you're talking to Uncle Larry who you had a really special relationship with, you ain't talking to Larry, okay? You're talking to a demon who knows more about Larry than you could ever hope to know, okay? So if it's, a, if it's that, I'm saying that 10% of mediums who have given themselves over to witchcraft and evil deeds, and they really are talking to someone, okay, demons have supernatural knowledge of you and your life, okay? Um, so don't do it. And you ain't talking to Larry, and if you want to talk to Larry again when he's dead, you better start evangelizing to Uncle Larry right now so that you can be in heaven together because of your trust and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ who died and was risen for the forgiveness of your sins. Okay? The gospel is the answer to all this nonsense, by the way. That's why, you know, we don't really have... I can teach a class on demonology because I'm not... I don't think it's really that big of a concern, <laughs> you know? It's not, I'm not really particularly worried about it. But I don't want to underplay it, and that gets us to our last series of questions. Um... Okay, no, nobody's on Zoom. I don't even know why I have that. Okay, so someone asked, um, yeah, but what about Satanism right now in real life? People participating in um, witchcraft, satanic, whatever. Um, y'all probably can't see that. I, I'm not a PowerPoint guy, as y'all can tell, anyway. Um, so the, the question is, do Satanists exist, okay? Is there a cabal of satanic worshipers secretly running the government and sort of? So the answer is, yeah. Satanists exist. There's no question that Satanists, they're, they're loud and proud. There's the Church of Satan. Um, so do Satanists yet, but how much can we know? So, like, how would we know about a satanic cabal or satanic power, you know, satanic groups of people meeting and things like that? Well... We, we, need, we do, would need to have whistleblowers, secrets revealed, etc., because there is a private versus public nature of truth. So in other words, Christians are very public. Okay? Christians have open doors, open windows. Anybody can walk in anytime we have a worship service and see what we're up to. We got nothing to hide. What we believe is on, the, on our website. You ever driven by a Kingdoms Hall? This is the example I always give. You know, Jehovah's Witness Kingdoms Hall? Do they have any windows on that building? No, they have bricks where the windows used to be. All right, and... And, it's, it, and the whole, all of the cults operate in secrecy, okay? And do you know, for example, that you cannot be a, a Freemason and be an ordained Lutheran pastor? 
And in some Lutheran churches, you cannot be a Freemason and be a member of a Lutheran church. That's a... If you're a Missouri Synod, they draw a harder line on that sort of thing. Why? Because there are secret rituals and so on and so forth involved in Freemasonry. Yes? Actually, I heard that the reason for that was that uh, there was some uh, proclamation with Masonry that uh, we want members who believe in God, but didn't specify Jesus because they were trying to be more ecumenical to include yeah. Jesus. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know that Freemasons are Trinitarian or not, but I will say that is the case with the Boy Scouts, and that is why Wisconsin Synod Lutherans do not host Boy Scout troops. What was that word? Boy Scout. Wisconsin Synod. Oh. They are more conservative than the Lutheran than the the Missouri Synod. It depends on how you define conservative, but anyway, but and and this is an issue that they are, and actually. I think actually some of what they believe has been kind of proven prescient. I know we have some Eagle Scouts and super high-level ranking Boy Scouts here, um, but I think probably y'all would agree that the Boy Scout thing has changed over time, you know, kind of some of their ethics and so on and so forth. So uh, not to say you shouldn't pursue your Eagle Scouts and all that, but um, okay. Um, So how much influence do Satanists have? Are they really running the world? Um, I would say the nature of the question is such that we, there are limits to how much we can know because Satanists do what they do in secret. That's more or less how they work. So the only way we could really answer that question is to have a sufficient number of people with inside knowledge and then to ask if that's a credible source, right? Um, so that's a difficult thing. Um, one of the main themes of this class, too, has been to ask, Which one is worse, direct or indirect influence? Remember, I said that we all live in a lowercase d sort of demonic world as a result of the fall, okay? So I would say that cancer is a result of the fall, and that since it's lower, it's demonic in the broad sense. But whether a demon said, I'm going to zap you with cancer, I don't know, okay? I don't don't know. I I don't know how far I would go down that road. But, um, you know, one of the things that Jesus says is, hey, you're either with me or against me. Okay, Um, just like Anakin Skywalker also said, okay, and hey, you're either with me or against me, and so I am, you're either a professing Christian who trusts in Christ or you're not, and if you're not, okay, then you're, you have to some degree through fault or omission or ignorance given yourself over broadly to the demonic realm. I mean, it is that black and white, okay? There is Christ who is waging war with the powers of evil, and he is the only one waging war because he's the only true son of God waging war with the powers of evil, and there's everything else. Okay, I ain't a all roads lead to the same God nonsense preacher, okay? That's crap, okay? Uh, I'm not going to make a liar out of God, and I'm not going to make a liar out of Jesus. So you're either on board with Jesus or you're not. And even within... That broadly Christian world, I have real disagreements with people about how they claim to be Christian, but then they're pro this or they're pro that, pro LGBT, blah, 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 blah. LGBT is a fundamental denial of reality and a fundamental denial of God. It's not something to be messed around with, not something to be explained away. I could go on for hours about that. It is a symptom of a rebellion against God, okay? It is not like just something that's up for debate. It is not. Love is love. 
And what is love? To love God and love neighbor. It's the law of God. Remember that. Don't let, don't let people say, oh, it's just love. Love is the law of God. Laws require obedience. So how do you live that out? But I would say, you know, in some ways I think that direct demonic influence in our world is worse, you know, because we sort of fall into it so much more casually. Um, and so Christians, you've got to build yourself up. You've got to protect your mind. You've got to evaluate the media that you consume, um, the, 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 the news that, you know, the way that people articulate information. You've got to be a filter. You've got to be constantly filtering the, the, everything around you so that you know the difference between what is Christian and what is not. You're, gonna, you're going to imbibe non-Christian material and things, but you've got to know the difference, right? So Jesus says you're either with me or against me. Now, uh, here's an article that came out this week. Uh, uh, the uh, Satanic Temple requests Texas court to affirm its religious right to abortion access. Uh, Texas abortion restrictions violate the Satanic Temple's right to freely practice their religion. This coming week, the Satanic Temple, TST, will seek a court declaration that TST's membership has a religious right to engage in their abortion ritual, challenging the Texas legislature's recent uh, du jour abortion ban. The Satanic Temple argue their right exists due to three distinct legal protections, etc., etc. If you want to read it later, you can. Okay. So, um... Yeah. Yeah, so uh, if anybody has a, a bunker that protects from uh, fire and brimstone, please let me know because um, any day now it's coming, okay? And we would deserve it, and we would deserve it. So that's an example of very public uh, satanic uh, worshipers being blunt and bold about it. I mean, at least they're being honest, okay? At least they're being honest. Uh, do I think that abortionists are doing the devil's work? Yeah. Yeah. Do I think many abortions have been done in the name of satanic ritual? Yeah. Not, I think it's a very complicated topic, but my point is that, you know, uh, many are not done as a, a satanic ritual. I'm not saying that. Again, it's kind of broadly in the demonic realm, you're either with me or against me. Hey, guess what? All of us sin and fall short, okay? All of us are prey to the demon's temptations, okay? I'm not putting one above the other, okay? Um, but we need to, we need to you know, um, it, it's a very delicate topic, and I, I, I maybe am kind of hitting with a broad brush because of the, this time difference. But the point is that um, that would be an example of something like that. I'll, I'll be even more controversial. Y'all sitting down? Y'all sitting down? Okay. Okay. Um, I don't really know much about the QAnon conspiracy. Okay, I've not really read into it. I'm just gonna, I'll just say categorically, I don't think it's true. But isn't it weird that there's this guy, Jeffrey Epstein, who, you know, has the names of very powerful people all over the world, and uh, we, that's, that's information that is suppressed, right? I mean, if you were to say that there's a very powerful, wealthy group of people who engage in horrible, despicable acts, Okay, that's, that is not a conspiracy theory. Okay, that is reality. Okay, and uh, I don't think it makes me a crazy person or a conspiracy theorist peddler to say that rich, powerful people have probably been doing wicked things uh, in the name of the God that they serve, who is not the God of the Bible, forever. 
forever, okay? Um, so I don't know if that makes me a conspiracy theorist or just open to the reality that evil um, is celebrated, celebrated, openly practiced by people who can get away with it. I don't think that's crazy. Um, but we all have to be careful how far down those rabbit trails we go because soon we could lose our perspective. We could start to lose trust that, that, that Jesus is king. Okay, so we always have to keep those things in balance, okay? Yes, ma'am. I'd say that drug dealers and human traffickers who are not rich. Oh, for sure. Celebrated. I mean, I think it spans a whole human condition. And being rich does not insulate you from Yeah. The uh, cartels on our southern border right now make a lot more money trafficking people than drugs because they can reuse them over and over and over. It's horrible. It's evil what is going on right now. Um, anyway, so yes, I'm not saying that, you know, we, it's only the rich that are participating in grossly immoral things. Um, but it's a question of, but do those, do those people have sort of an outsized influence uh, in governments and things of that nature? And ulterior motives. I know some of you are, I know for a fact, believe that yes, that is the case. Um, Lastly, what kind of demonic presence should Christians expect? I don't even know what I meant when I asked that question. Um, I think that, honestly, in the, in the daily lives of most Christians, uh, you know, what, what does Jesus say? What do we pray in the Lord's Prayer? Lead us not into temptation, right? But deliver us from evil. And so, the, Jesus, if Jesus said to pray that prayer daily, then it's pretty important. It's pretty important. So I think that, generally speaking, temptation is, the, is, the, is going to be the constant demonic presence in our lives. Just because you're a self-avowed, Jesus-loving Christian doesn't mean you will escape it. Um, it, is going, it is a reality in your life, and you'll have to fight against it every single day. Uh, welcome to the fight, you know. Um, but we do it together, and, but that is the kind of demonic, I think that is the demonic presence we mostly expect but if you find yourselves deeply troubled by, you know, night terrors, uh, funny things going on in a household, um, I think those things are possible. You know, sort of specific manifestations of an evil spirit, I think that's possible. Um, but anyway, any last thoughts as we wrap up? Any questions? Yeah. Yes, and just in time for the Christmas season. Well, my point, again, was to, um, no, not to dwell on something dark, but actually to try to convey the message that this is something uh, we need to be aware of, probably more aware of than we are, but we don't dwell on it either. At the end of the day, what I really hope you all take away is that when Jesus was crucified and risen from the dead, okay, he was, he was dripping sweat, you know, droplets of blood because he was bearing the weight of sin and evil, all of it, on his shoulders, okay? It wasn't the physical pain of crucifixion which was bad enough, but it was what, what was so difficult for Jesus to endure was the, the castigating of sin onto his shoulders that he did not deserve. And so when he was, when he took, when he, he encountered the worst effect of the fall into sin, which is death, 
and he was risen from the dead, he kicked the devil's butt, okay? That's not what I wanted to say, but for your sake I did, okay? Um, he, he won. He is victorious. And that is the message that we do take into any um, daily encounter or even sort of extraordinary encounter with, with the demonic realm. So, um, Before we go, does anyone have a request or something you'd like to study at the turn of the year? Book of the Bible, topic, because I'm just going to be making it up. If you have something, email me, let me know. Otherwise, I'm going to be perusing my bookshelves or, or opening up the Bible and sticking my finger down uh, and say, okay, well, this is the book of the Bible we'll study. Okay. All right. Thank you all for coming. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks that you have defeated death and uh, evil on our behalf. We give you thanks for the incarnation of your very self in the person of Jesus Christ. Bless us um, as we gather for worship that we might be um, strengthened as we gather around your word. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.